Welcome to Parenting in Acadia, a podcast brought to you by Woman's Foundation. Our goal is to provide you with quality information from local experts to support you in your parenting journey. Welcome to this week's episode on Parenting in Acadiana podcast. This is your host, Sally Sabandith. So today we have two guests from the Acadiana Area Human Services District. They have actually several clinics around the Acadiana area. And I want to welcome Monique and Stephanie to our show. So Welcome to uh, our podcast. So let you know, maybe do some introductions and tell us a little bit about what you do there and what kind of services y'all offer. Okay, my name is Monique Reno. I'm a social worker in LCSW. I'm actually the supervisor for the Children and Adolescents Department at Tyler Behavioral Health Center, which is located here in Lafayette. Uh, we currently provide individual and family services to children ages 6 to 18 and specialized services also to children under the age of 6 starting at about 3 years old. And those are actually screened on an individual basis. So families and caregivers and doctor's offices and educational uh, providers can also call in. And we pretty much provide them with whatever guidance that they need after we've assessed a child over a phone screening. Excellent. And Stephanie, what do you do there? I'm also a uh, licensed clinical social worker. I'm a clinician working with children under Monique. Okay, awesome. And I think it's so valuable to have, you know, your clinic here in the area serving the community. I work at One's Foundation, and we're always looking for ways to help families find resources for them. So I'm glad that Terry Duga, actually, he is the community liaison and connected us to welcome to you guys to this episode. So I know mental illness is a topic that many parents maybe are afraid to address in their children and maybe they know that there's issues and they may not know where to go for help. So we're kind of here to talk about that and address some of those topics and kind of give to parents any tips or offer them any resources that we have in the area. So I guess I want to begin with, is it you know, is it normal, is it typical for kids between the ages of five and seven to have these mental health problems? Actually, it is normal, appropriate, something that actually happens more often than we realize that children at the age of five to seven actually has mental illness. And so mental illness is something that I think in, in our arena, we normalize and say that it's just maybe that they're having some adjustment issues. It could be that maybe they're dealing with some stressors that they don't know how to kind of cope with. Mm-hmm. And so because mental illness kind of has a stigma uh, associated with it, I think a lot of parents kind of steer clear of addressing it or acknowledging mm-hmm. it because uh, no one wants to think that something is wrong with their child. And right. so we kind of try to normalize it in a way that it may just be that they're having some difficulties, maybe dealing with some things in their life as early as the age of five. Mm -hmm. You know, children, I feel 
and I often tell this to parents, is that their world is their world, just like our world as adults mm-hmm. are our world. And mm-hmm. so whatever we struggle with, sometimes we need someone to speak with. Right. And just so as with children between the five, the ages of five to seven, they also may be needing someone to talk to and maybe trying to find a way to kind of cope with mm-hmm. whatever they're having issues with. And things such as depression does occur in children between the ages of five to seven. And I know Miss Stephanie can kind of maybe speak on some signs and symptoms that may be related to or associated with depression. Yeah, so Miss Stephanie, so kids between the ages of five and seven, can they be diagnosed with depression? They can be diagnosed with it. And what parents want to look for is if the child is sad or withdrawn Mm -hmm. or both for at least two weeks, They may also want to be aware if the child is complaining of frequent aches and pains Mm -hmm. that don't seem to be related to a medical issue. If they have a loss in interest in activities that they used to really enjoy, changes in appetite, weight, or eating patterns can sometimes be a sign of that. Mm -hmm. Having difficulty identifying or expressing their thoughts and feelings. And so a lot of times children will feel that when you feel a certain feeling, it's a good or a bad feeling. And even though it may not be comfortable, it's not wrong to have that feeling, Mm -hmm. but it's what we do with it. And so just being able to have someone to talk to or someone to share in their way, because kids communicate differently than, than adults do, to share how it is they're feeling and for someone to help them identify it and, you know, to normalize it, help them realize that a lot of people are going, you know, are going through tough times or have difficult times coping with things and what's the best way to handle it. How's, How's the best way to handle this feeling that doesn't get you in trouble, you know, that that is appropriate and you're being respectful to others. Did you have anything to add? The only thing, the only other thing that I wanted to add was simple things like sleep disturbance also Mm -hmm. can be a sign or signal that maybe something is going on with your child, not necessarily just depression. It can be anxiety, could be other things. Mm -hmm. And so some of those self-same signs that adults kind of say, okay, something's going on here. I'm Mm -hmm. not sleeping okay. I'm not eating okay. My mood is kind of irritable. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of lashing out. Like what's going on? And so if you're seeing those things, even, you know, with little bitties, aggressive maybe the way they're playing with others Mm -hmm. that's kind of abnormal for them and or just out of character Mm -hmm. can be signs that you know we may need to have a conversation with little Johnny because maybe something's going on with them. Right. And when you say sleep disturbances, is that like they're waking up in the middle of the night crying, screaming, or they're just not getting enough sleep and they're restless? Can you explain some of that? Correct. I think you explained it very well, actually. (laughs) Just difficulties falling asleep, Mm -hmm. staying asleep, maybe tossing and turning, Mm -hmm. just feeling like they're fatigued and tired a lot, even Mm -hmm. though you're like, well, bedtime was this time and you should have gotten enough rest. Mm-hmm. But if they're constantly, consistently saying that, you know what, 
I'm just tired. I'm not feeling good. Mm -hmm. Or the teachers may see something that they're sleeping in the classroom, Mm -hmm. which again, we kind of speak to the difference in in their functioning. So Mm -hmm. if they're normal sleep patterns or they're sleeping through the night and it's not typical for them to Mm -hmm. say they're tired, then we need to maybe check on some things Mm -hmm. and rule some things out. And address some of these Correct. and, you know, see what's going on. Right. And if they if they wake up at night and have a difficult time falling back to sleep. Mm-hmm. Good. So if a parent notices maybe any other signs of change that may not indicate depression, what are possibly some other, you know, what are some other possibilities there? So things that it has to be depression. It could be other things. Mm -hmm. Let's just say at the age of five, some children, it's their first time going to school. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, this is new to them. They're exposed to a group setting that they're not used to. Exactly. And a very structured day. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you're like, well, what's going on? They don't want to go to school. Um, They're not making friends really well. They they may be a little bit irritable, crying not to go to school. Mm -hmm. Those could all be signs of anxiety Mm -hmm. that maybe they're just having a difficult time adjusting to this new world for them. Mm -hmm. And so it could be school anxiety. It could just be anxiety because socially they may have not been exposed to dealing with multiple kids and of course Mm -hmm. kids have different personalities Mm -hmm. and you know they interact differently and so you kind of have to look at and evaluate okay do we need to provide them with maybe a little support at school do we Mm -hmm. need to have a conversation with them about it and no it's not just oh they just want to stay home with mom it Mm -hmm. could really be that they're really anxious because Mm -hmm. of this new environment and this new adult who's telling them to do all of these things that they've never met before in their life exactly and I have to do exactly what you say when you tell me to do it Mm -hmm. like this could be very stressful for a child I can I can see how that's very shocking to a five-year-old exactly exactly and so just kind of looking at you know what's going on in their world Mm -hmm. because it could be something as minute as maybe having a conversation or going to school and talking to them and make it maybe making it as normal as you can Mm -hmm. so that they can understand well I'll be okay just reassuring them kind of goes a long way especially with children yeah if you're confident and they believe in that adult Mm -hmm. then they'll believe that it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay so uh, school anxiety could be one thing and, and what we also do when parents bring their children in, in that case, is teach them social skills, basic mm-hmm. social skills that maybe they didn't need to learn as a child at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they're an only child, like Monique had said. Maybe they just weren't exposed to a structured day or a, a different child or children of that age. And so just, just having to be on a regular routine sometimes. Mm-hmm you know, that may be an adjustment for them as well. And then difficulty separating from the caregiver when they bring the child to school. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I've experienced that with my (laughs) own nephews. And I'm kind of going off the grid, but I want to kind of backtrack. Can you maybe explain the difference between anxiety and depression? Because I know those are two different things. Mm -hmm. And so can you go into detail what the difference is in those two? Whenever you're um, speaking of depression, it's it's generally 
feeling sadness most of the time, most of the day, just not feeling really happy and maybe not really knowing why. Mm -hmm. It could be that there's no reason why Mm -hmm. I should be unhappy. I have everything that I need. And so sometimes there's not precipitators or stressors that can be identified Mm -hmm. versus anxiety could be a fear of of the unknown or not knowing. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of get anxious and fearful and afraid. And so those are the two differences. Anxiety doesn't necessarily mean that you're sad about something. Mm -hmm. It's just that I'm afraid of the unknown and Mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, unsure and uncertain. Of the what ifs. Of the what ifs, Mm -hmm. correct. And so because of those conditions and inability to control certain things, Mm -hmm. it makes some people very anxious and it it affects their functioning because mm-hmm. anxiety can lead to the idea of when we talk about school anxiety, kids that just say, I can't even walk mm-hmm. to the school. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want to pass in front of my yeah. school because <laughs> of the fear of what's going to happen when I get there because uh-huh. the environment is so different. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's the differences between depression and depression can have your crying spells and just, appetite, uh, decrease in appetite and all of that stuff as well. Mm -hmm. That was a really good question because there are some similarities that Mm -hmm. a parent Mm -hmm. may want to look for because if a child is depressed or anxious, they may tend to be withdrawn, but for different reasons. Right. So if a child is withdrawn and they're depressed, it may be more of I just don't feel up to being around other people. Mm -hmm. Um, I may not have the energy or the desire to interact with others or to do the things I used to enjoy doing. And for anxiety, it would be more of I'm too afraid or fearful of this situation, so I'm just going to avoid it. Good. Thanks for clarifying that. And, you know, I've been around parents who get frustrated when having to constantly remind their child to do their homework, clean their room, or complete any task. And sometimes I wonder, like, what's the disconnect? What makes them, what makes the child act in that way? Well, and that can be a variety of different things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you kind of have to um, look at the entire situation and kind of deconstruct it and see, okay, what pieces do we have here? And so you speak to things that may be ADHD symptoms or signs or opposition or defiant disorder or disruptive behavior disorders. And the difference with that is that when you're dealing with a child who has ADHD, they may be super hyperactive and they may be inattentive as well. And so their inattention causes them to maybe forget multiple tasks that you've assigned them to do. So if you give them a list of five things and they're inattentive, there's no way that they're going to remember five things mm-hmm. to do. And so sometimes we kind of have to look at that. Is it that they're just unable to remember all that I told them or are they just really refusing and not wanting to do it? And so you can kind of see the difference. A defi- a kid that has some defiance would be, okay, they just outright refuse. They're not even going to make the attempt. Mm-hmm. Whereas an inattentive child may look like they're about to do it or trying to do it, but then they may just forget. And so sometimes that can be frustrating when a parent is like, I told you to do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's just that 
you know, needing to get that child's attention and say, okay, mom needs you to do this and give them one task at a time versus reading the grocery list of things that you want right, them to do. Right, and just bombarding them with a, an entire list. Exactly. And so those type of situations you kind of have to kind of look look at. I know Miss Stephanie, I mean, we both deal with kids that have defiance and disruptive behavior disorder, so she can probably provide additional input. And, and when we see children around that age, we also like to get feedback from different environments because a parent's threshold of tolerance may be much higher than other parents. They may not notice that the child is hyperactive. They may not notice that the child is engaging in disruptive behaviors. They may not notice that the child is not following rules because it's not a, de- it's not a defiant, outright, I'm refusing to do what you told me to do. It's I'm going to do it on my own time mm-hmm. or I'm going to maybe pretend that I forgot or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try something else and test those limits and see how you're going to respond. And then there's some other parents that um, it really doesn't take that much. They just have a lot on their plate mm-hmm. stress-wise. And so when they see the child typical, sometimes typical behaviors, they're just really more attuned and sensitive to. And so we also meet with those parents as well to kind of give them some information on developmentally appropriate behaviors. And, you know, uh, when children are trying to be more independent versus being defiant. And and what's a, a reasonable amount of time to expect a child to sit still and quiet mm-hmm. and follow rules and things like that? Right. And so what are some tips that you can give parents who are dealing with these children that are being defiant? What do you typically, how should parents maybe address this? I think it's very important. We speak to our parents a lot about one, and Ms. Stephanie kind of uh, spoke to this earlier, is that you have to have clear expectations. Mm-hmm. And sometimes uh, sometimes we have the conversation with the parents, do you know what your expectations are? And sometimes they don't. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that may just be kind of having clear rules and clear expectations with the child so the child knows what is expected of them. And the other piece is consistency. That is the number one ultimate mm-hmm. that has to happen. The child, ha- the parent has to be consistent with whatever they decide to do versus the punishment versus rewarding. They just really need to be consistent. So if they say it, they must follow through. I mean, even if it's a reward, if I say mm-hmm. at the end of the week, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z for you, mm-hmm. you have to stick to that because it's just as important to reward as it is to provide consequences because right. you have to have a balance. Which also brings us to the point, too, of don't make promises that you're not necessarily going to be able to keep for sure. If you don't really know what the weather is going to be like on that day, you know, you you may not want to promise that something's going to happen if it's an outside activity or if you're not sure that you'll be able to bring the child on that activity due to financial reasons, you know, provide the child with some sort of privilege that, you know, doesn't cost anything or very much at all that, you know, regardless, if the child doesn't meet that goal, you know that you can provide that that reward for them. Nowadays, children are exposed to a lot of different things, social media, things on TV, from their friends that they, you know, get from school. And sometimes I wonder how this has an effect on them. Like, how are they influenced? How are they taking all this information? And does that have an effect on them? 
Well, first of all, I think it's important for parents to, if they're not that familiar with technology, Mm -hmm. uh, with the new phones and parental controls to contact their provider to see what options they have on their devices and how to enforce those controls. Because a lot of times we may not realize if we're logging in to our computer and it happens to stay on, then our child may be able to access it after we get off the computer and we're actually still logged in. And so just to kind of make sure that they aren't exposed to things that are outside of what's developmentally appropriate, Mm -hmm. talking with children about who they communicate with online and that it needs to be someone that they actually know in person discouraging them from going into chat rooms, that that there are people that, you know, someone may be able to log into that they have no idea who they are. Because it could be an adult right. pretending to be an a old, child. Exactly. And mm-hmm. so we definitely have to keep kids safe. And a lot of times, you know, they they have this feeling of in, invincibility, which, you know, a lot of us had as teenagers at least and, and as children. And so, you know, they don't necessarily realize what could possibly happen, and they think, well, this isn't likely, and I don't think that's going to happen, but we all know that we still need to keep them safe because there are always possibilities. And so just to monitor their activity, and then, because sometimes parents think, well, as long as I have the parental controls on, I can walk away. You mm-hmm. still definitely want to continue to monitor what your child mm-hmm. is 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 on online and what types of sites that they're on, people that they're talking to, to make sure that they are people that they know and age-appropriate people. And then just kind of talk with them if something comes up that you feel like is inappropriate, having a talk with them about why this is inappropriate and find a way to avoid that, you know, that situation from occurring again, that way they wouldn't be exposed to it. But it is a good question, because I think a lot of kids today are much better versed on technology than than the adults. And so... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's like within them. <laughs> exactly. Right. They're, they're birthed right. into a techno age. And yeah, so exactly. They, they are privy to all of the, the ins and outs of technology versus parents who are actually having to learn it. Mm-hmm. And and I think to kind of piggyback on what Miss Stephanie said, it's just really important for parents to have conversations with their children. I find that most of the time parents are, well, I don't know where they get that from, but they interact with lots of different kids that come from different households mm-hmm. who may be exposed to different things. And so just having a daily conversation with your child just to kind of see like what's going on in their world it's mm-hmm. just not school what are you doing at recess who are you who are your friends and mm-hmm. so having those conversations i think can provide you with those you can identify if something is there, if something is going on, so that you can address those things mm-hmm. prior to your child actually being involved in maybe using profanity or, you know, maybe touching a girl inappropriate or saying something that is inappropriate to another child. So it's just important to just have those conversations. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of leads to when they become teenagers so they can actually talk to you about their friends. And be open, so, and about, be open about communicating things. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's key is being in tune with your child even Mm -hmm. at five because again they have their world and it's important to know what's going on in their world right so I, I take from this episode you guys see a various 
amount of different types of mental illness. And I think that's great what you guys are providing. Because I know we started talking about depression and anxiety. Now we're talking about defiance. So what I like to ask our guests at the end of our episode is, what is the number one thing that parents should take away from this episode when dealing with mental illness or depression or anxiety or defiance in their children? What is the one thing that you want parents to know? What, what comes to mind for me is if your child is dealing with any challenges with the mental illness, it's nothing that you've done. You, do, you didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just that this is what it is. And so there's resources out there to help you and your child be able to kind of overcome those challenges and barriers and to be able to live with depression or have live with, you know, how to deal with feelings and emotions. So that's the takeaway because I find that a lot of parents feel like maybe they did something wrong. And so it's not about pointing fingers, but more so to, you know, find a way for your child to kind of best live his or her best life. And so I think that's really important to that's, take away. That's actually really, really mm-hmm. good. Miss Stephanie, did you have anything to add? Yes, I, I think that's really important. And also to encourage parents to just keep the dialogue open with their kids, like Monique had said earlier. And because a lot of times we get busy in our day-to-day routines. And so sometimes just taking a few minutes with our child and asking, how was your day? And letting them know that you're interested and that you do have the time to find out, you know, uh, how their day was and how they're feeling. That can kind of keep the lines of communication open. Yeah, because as adults, sometimes we get too swamped or too busy and we don't think to check on our children even ourselves. So I think that's really, really, really important. I just wanted to also provide a little spill about our crisis services because we do provide a child and adolescence. We have a child and adolescence response team that provides crisis assessments Mm -hmm. for families or children who may be suicidal or homicidal or the child may be having severe behavioral issues and the parents just don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And so that particular service is something that is provided to children and families within the area, it's a free assessment. And what happens after that assessment is recommendations and referrals to mental health providers as well. So I just wanted to make sure the okay. community was aware of our well, that is team. Yes, that is very, very helpful. And I think very valuable to our listeners to know that. And I know you, you guys offer the services at your clinic. Can you tell our parents maybe where they can get more information about your clinic? Do you guys have a website, a telephone number? Maybe they can contact you. We actually can be contacted at 337-262-4100 is the Tyler Behavioral Health Clinic. And also they do have a website. It's www.aahsd. Org. And um, you can also follow them on Facebook. They have all of their information on there. Okay, well. Thanks for having us. Yes, yes absolutely. Thank, you. thank y'all so much for taking your time out and joining me on our podcast. Um, listeners, please be sure to follow us on Facebook. You can listen to our podcast on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or iTunes. Again, thank y'all for listening. <laughs>